praise this morning. We serve such a good God, amen. So glad y'all are here today. As soon as our screens pop up, guys, it's going to be spectacular. It's just going to make our church look so amazing. And how many know the Lord loves excellence? The Lord loves his best for his house, amen. So thank you for those. And, and no matter big or small, however you could contribute today, um, we're just so thankful for that, amen. Oh, do you have it, sister? Can you put them up really quick? Like, we just got it going, Pastor Barb. Give us a second. Um, well, let me just uh, start with my message, and then we'll let that pop up here as soon as they can. I'll stop and acknowledge it. But um, I'm going to be doing a four-week series um, starting today on a, a topic called Selfless. And as you know, uh, last couple Sundays, I've been really pouring into our church um, the revelation of the importance of reaching the lost and reaching a lost and dying world, amen. I believe God has called Faith Builders Church to reach the harvest. We are not a church here just because it was a good idea. We're placed right here for such a time as this. And uh, God has not called the four walls to win the world, but he's called all of us to reach the world. And so my heart and my passion as your pastor is to really unlock this on the inside of you. And I know one or two messages are not gonna shift everything, but we're gonna just hit a little bit at a time Amen. We're going to start awakening this call of God in your life. We're going to start awakening the purpose of God in your life. And I know that in one of these services, something's going to, revelation, something's going to turn on the inside of you, and you watch the momentum of revival hit North Phoenix, Arizona. Amen. And I think residual into the world where we are reaching even at this time. And so... You guys got that picture? Okay, go ahead. I just want you all to see the picture. So that's going to be the entrance of our church, everybody. It is going to be so gorgeous. Beautiful pots. And again, these pictures just cannot even do it justice, but it's going to be rounded with our name on it. Uh, it'll be lit up at night with palm trees. And so it's just going to make our church look so beautiful. Amen. And we have other projects coming, but I just believe God's house should look the best of excellence. And so, amen. Give it up for Jesus and Pastor Say. They're starting tomorrow, and I can't wait. I'm driving up to see them digging that ground because that means God is moving. Amen? So anyway, my heart is to the next four weeks, I want to continue to kind of prod this in your heart, to opening up um, who God's called you to be into this world. Amen? And so my message today is on a bold, bold in your witness life. You know, we come into the new year, and we're like, hey, you know, I'm going to get a great uh, workout routine together. I'm going to start exercising or eating better, or maybe I'm going to have a cleaner house and get it organized. You know, we have all these things that we want to do for ourselves. And how many know self-goals are good? And we should have them. But the unfortunate part about our, our goals in society, that we've made our goals every day about ourselves. And if you look at all the things that you're aiming for, it's mostly everything we're aiming for for ourselves. And I believe God is calling us to a season where he wants us to be others conscious. And we want to invite into our world permission for the Holy Spirit to use us. And the tragedy is, is when we set goals only for ourselves, we're not surrendering to the will of God in our life. We may see God as a tool to get what we want out of life instead of being used by God. And before I go any further this morning, I want to just preface this, that this is not a message of condemnation. It is a message of instruction. 
and a message of empowerment of what God's church should look like because the American church has got it really backwards. The American church is we bring people to us and it's what, what we can give to the people of the church, you know, what you can receive instead of really teaching and training for you to receive and turn around and give it away. And it's the word of God. And so what happens is when we come into the kingdom, we're looking for God to give us what we need instead of saying, God, I'm surrounded surrendering my will to what you need. What do you need from me, God? What are you asking of me in this season of this life? Who do you want me to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? What kind of time do you want me to give to the kingdom of God? Amen? So we've got to be careful that we're not trying to get God to do what we want. Instead, we're trying to figure out, God, what do you want in my life? We pray these prayers, God, help me, God, bless me, right? God, protect me. And all these things are wonderful. Make my life better. Make me happier. Make me richer. And are all those things great? Yes, they are. But they're backwards. Because what happens is when we want all these things from God, we come to church and we try God. People get discouraged. And what happens? They blame God why they're not going where they need to go. And they have this mentality, well, I tried God and it didn't work. Well, I tried going to church, but it didn't do me any justice. I tried the word of God, but it didn't change me. And the reason why it didn't change us is because God didn't do what we wanted him to do. And God's not looking to meet our needs. He's looking for us to meet his desires. Unfortunately, people think God exists for us, but in reality, we exist to honor and serve him. That's why the church exists, amen? And in fact, when Jesus called his disciples and he went to them to say, come follow me, this is, the, this is what he said to them in Matthew 16, 24. It wasn't come follow me and I'm gonna make your life amazing. I'm gonna bless everything you put your hand to and you're gonna prosper and all is that true? Yes. But when Jesus said, disciples, follow me, he said this, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. That means God's going to do what? He said, it's not going to be more about you. It's going to be less about you. You're going to be willing to say, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to die to my desires. I'm going to die to my ways and my time, and I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to pick up the cross. I'm going to pick up the message of the cross, and I'm going to do what God's asked me to do in my life. Amen? We have to make it less about us and more about him. How are we going to reach the world for Jesus with the message of the cross if we're still coming internal saying, Jesus, what are you going to do for me? The church is ineffective. The church is lukewarm when it's all about us. We have to open up our eyes and see that there is a lost and dying world around us. There are people that are broken, people that are discouraged, people that are sinking in life, and we have the hope and the answer, and we're too afraid to give it away. And God is calling us to step up in this season as the church and be the church of God, amen? And I wanna empower you. I wanna teach you how to do that. We're living in a culture in the world today that it's all about self. Just go through social media, amen? And I'm about social media and I love it, but if you look, it's all about what I'm doing, what I've done, where I'm going. It's me, me, me. We've got this culture mentality that it's all about me. Let me show you what I'm doing. 
And even in the kingdom of God, the church, let me show you how great our church is. Let me show you how many numbers we have. Let me show you how many famous people that I'm hanging with. Instead of let me show you that person that I led to Jesus Christ. Let me show you somebody that I cried and prayed with the other night. Instead of I laid hands on the sick and they got healed by the power of God. We've got to reverse this mentality of the culture that is seeped into the church that is all about us. And we've got to in turn reach out and reach this world for Jesus. Amen. It is not about us, but it is about Jesus. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. We've got to quit lifting up ourselves and wanting our gifts recognized and wanting our attention and lift up Jesus. Quit waiting to be perfect. Quit waiting to get your ducks in a row. Just talk about Jesus. How easy is that message, the cross? It's something that a child can share about Jesus. Amen. And we need to activate that and allow God to stir that up in our heart. And so the next four weeks, I'm going to teach you messages and how to be more selfless in following Jesus and how to be obedient to the call of God, to the voice of God, because God is speaking. God is calling you. God is challenging you in this season, and we need to have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying in this season, amen. I believe the Lord wants to make our little, little lives um, upset. I think he wants to rattle our world a little bit and get us uncomfortable. How many would like to get out of here 24-7? Life has become mundane. We're still empty. We're still depressed. We're still going through stuff. And God says, if you'll be a voice carrier of my purpose, you'll walk in the fullness of joy when you're giving life away. Amen? And so today we're going to talk about in just a minute the boldness of our witness and how can we be bold in what our faith and what God's called us to be. Next week we're going to talk about faithful in our service and using the gifts that God's called and the purposes in our life and get a little uncomfortable for God. The third week, we're going to talk about extravagant generosity, which all of you have done today in partaking and building that beautiful thing out in our parking lot and why we use. There are some people who have the gift of giving in the kingdom of God. It is a gift, and you are prosperous in the world, and you are successful in the world, and God has called that gifting to build the kingdom of God, amen? Not for us to get rich and to build our own Ephesus here on earth, but to reach the world for Jesus, to purchase Bibles, to train and equip people and send them into the world to rescue children from ISIS, to feed the homeless. The church should have so much money that we don't know what to do with. We don't want to be consumers. We want to give it away. want to talk about that kind of generosity and the grateful grind. Instead of saying, Lord, do what I want in your life and make my life better, what if we said these things? Use me, Lord, to reach more people. Use me, Lord. Even if I'm laughed at and ridiculed, use me to be bold. Use that's bold in witness. Use me to service, Lord. Use me to use my gifts and calling, even if I'm uncomfortable in praying for someone, even if I'm uncomfortable in sharing the gospel. Lord, use me, faithful in service. Enable me to be a blessing, God. Let me be willing to make the personal sacrifices in my life with my time and my resources to build the kingdom of God extravagant generosity. Empower me, God, to do everything in your glory. Even when I wake up every day and life is mundane, I'm going to have your joy. That is grateful in the grind, amen. We're going to be talking about these things over this month, and I want to awaken you. I believe life is going to begin to be stirred on the inside of you. This church has called by God to reach this city for Jesus Christ, amen. 
Instead of having this self-centered and selfish mentality, we're going to strive to be selfless. Amen. We're going to deny ourselves and saying, Jesus, what you want, I will follow your will. There's no greater joy in life than doing your purpose here on earth. Our covering our bishop when he was a young man driving a truck driver. The Lord says, if you want to know why you breathe air, follow me. See, we can have all these things in life, but if you want to know why you're here for such a time as this, it is to reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is to share the love of God. It is to show the power of the church. The church is not weak. The church is not anemic. The church is not given up. The church is not over with. But the church people have been beat down and we become apathetic in our courage to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to be willing to say, God, my day is not my own. My life is not my own. Your will be done in my life. Amen. And I'm going to teach you how to do that this morning. So we're going to talk about being bold in your witness, and I believe this is going to empower many of you and and change the course of your life. And the context of the scripture that I'm going to share with you is where Jesus was uh, training his disciples. Jesus had 12 men, and he worked with them for three years, and he taught them how to know God. He taught them how to know the will of God. He taught them how to lay hands on the sick, cast out demons, see the blind eyes open. He taught them the word of the kingdom of God. And the whole time that he was training them, the three years, he had to keep reminding them, but remember, I'm going to go away. I'm going to die on the cross, and I'm not going to be here any longer, so I'm teaching you how to do, go and tell the good news of the gospel, because I'm going to lay my life down, but I'm going to resurrect three days later, amen. I'm going to resurrect from that cross, but in the meantime, I need you to share this good news. He empowered them. And over and over, they say, Jesus, you're not going to die. They kept trying to thwart the call of God in his life. Even Peter said, "Um, Jesus, you're not going to die. And what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. He had to come against one that he loved that tried to thwart the reason why he was here on earth. Amen. Jesus did not come for the righteous. He came for the lost. Jesus didn't come for the healed. He came for the sick. That was his purpose. He came that he would die on the cross and that he would resurrect again. Amen. He said, I'll be back, but I have an assignment for you. Tell the good news of my return. Now, can you imagine being those disciples and being the one that said, man, I've got this message from God. I've been empowered. I've walked with him. He's trained me. He's taught me. And we're going to be out doing the works of God. And so what does Jesus do? He dies on the cross. He resurrects again on the third day. And can you imagine that Sunday when he arose from the dead, he went and find his disciples, and what do you think they were doing? Were they out there shouting, listen, he told me he's coming again. He's resurrecting from the cross. He's the risen Savior. He told me. He showed me. Can you imagine the disciples being out there doing this? But if you study scripture, they weren't doing that at all. They weren't walking in the empowerment of their purpose. Let's look in John 20, verse 19, and find out what these disciples were doing. So that Sunday, the same morning Jesus resurrected, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. What were these disciples that were called and empowered by God? They were hiding. They were afraid. They've got the empowerment, but they were afraid what people would think of them. What would the Jewish Jewish leaders do to them? Jesus said to them, I'm coming back. And what were they doing? 
they were hiding. What is the church doing today? He says, I'm coming back. I'm coming back as the king of kings, the Lord of lords. I'm coming on my white horse in victory. Go and tell the good news. Rescue somebody from the gates of hell. Give life away, church. What are you doing? And what is the church doing? We're afraid and we're hiding. We're intimidated by social media. We're intimidated to stand up by our faith. We're intimidated to be controversial and we're trying to walk in this love message and this love message is sending people to hell. The only love message we have is to the cross, to the message of the cross of Jesus Christ that he laid his life down a gruesome death so that we could walk in the freedom from sin today and yet we're carrying this message and we're afraid. All of us are afraid. We don't share our faith and we're not bold in our witness. Why? You might sit here today and say, well, I don't know enough. What if they ask questions and I don't have the answer, right? What if people are offended? I don't want to be that kind of Christian that's pushy and scared. If you get to the root of every reason why people aren't sharing their faith, it's because we are afraid just like the disciples were. We're afraid of controversy. We're afraid of looking silly. We're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of not getting it right. And God wants to set us free from that. Even personally, me, as a woman of God who preaches the gospel, I, have to, I don't have supernatural anointing to do this. I have to build up that courage in my life all the time. I remember when I was young, I was like 18, um, and I loved the Lord so much, and our church offered evangelism explosion. Does anybody know what that is? It's like EE, and it teaches you how to share the gospel, but it was you memorize the script, and if they say this, then you memorize this to say that. But there was the opening part that I still know today, and they say when you, when you go to share the gospel, you say, are you at a place in your life, if you were to die today, you would go to heaven or hell? If you were at a place in your life today where you would die, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? And we learned this training. I still remember it all these years later. And then we'd get visitor cards from the church. And back in the day, you'd go knock on people's door. We were crazy. We'd go knock on people's door. And we, there was no cold, it was cold calls. We didn't give them forewarning. We'd knock on the door and the pastor would say, I'm with you guys. He's, I'm praying for you. Make sure you're prayed up. Make sure you're ready because God's going to move. Make sure that you're praying. You know, they wanted salvations when we knocked on these doors. And I'm like, yeah, I'm praying. I'm praying nobody's home in Jesus' name. I hope nobody answers the door. I hope they don't ask me any questions. Why? Because I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to look stupid. I'm afraid they're going to be offended by me just showing up at that door. But guess what? We have the message of hope that's saving them from hell. We have the message of victory that could save their marriage. We have the message of the anointing that could deliver them from drug addictions. We've got the power of God living in our life. And the church is afraid. We're afraid. What are we afraid of? The enemy has tried to silence the voice of the church. No longer. I'm telling you, as long as I'm your pastor, I'm going to roar this with the sound of the Holy Spirit, that we are going to be a bold and a courageous church, and we're not going to be able, not be afraid to speak truth in love. Amen? Because that's the will of God God wants us to be bold in him, not locked behind closed doors, amen? In this point where they were afraid and they were hiding, one event changed the course of history for the church 
and for their lives. There was one moment that transformed everything from a group of men that were living timid and afraid and hiding out to being so bold and being so courageous that changed the history of the church. I want you to look in John 20, verse 19. This is exciting news, everybody. That Sunday, continue on with that verse, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. But suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them, and he said, peace be to you. The man that was in the grave, the man that was dead has now resurrected from the dead, and the living Savior is standing in front of them. And when they saw Jesus face to face, when they encountered Jesus, that resurrected Savior, those selfish men became selfless in everything they did. When they met Jesus, those timid men became bold in everything that they did. They became courageous and evangelistic and every one of their days, you couldn't shut them up from that moment forward. When Peter encountered Jesus at this moment, he was the biggest coward we'd ever seen in the word of God. He denied his savior three times. A child walked up to Peter and said, you were with Jesus, a child. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about, little one. I don't know him. He was so timid and insecure. But when he saw Jesus, when he saw the resurrected Savior, he had a boldness that could not stop him. Peter and John came together and the greatest revival in Acts, the church, the way the church should look today, the Bible says that they begin to preach, repent, and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And yet the church is muzzled. It's not a word you hear a lot in the kingdom of God. You do in our church. You're blessed to hear the word. But there are people who are not sharing the message that you must repent of your sins. You must deny yourself and your flesh. And because they were empowered with this boldness, because they saw Jesus, 3,000 people built the church of God just like that. Revival can happen overnight. We can reach this city and the cities and the cities and the world if the church would awaken, amen, if we would get courageous and boldness with the message of Jesus Christ. And they didn't stop there. They went to the next city and said, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. 5,000 more people came to the church. See, the world isn't looking for this sweet little bye-bye message. The world isn't looking for these little coffee clutches the world is looking for hope. The world is looking for why is the world like this? The world is looking for answers, and we have the answers. But we're so engrossed with our insecurities and our fears and our weaknesses and our failures that we're never giving life away. But they met Jesus, amen, and revival happened. And, and even then, you couldn't shut them up. The religious leaders, the priests, and the captains of the temple guard went to them and said, you better shut up. And they said, we're not going to shut up. And they threw them in prison. And guess what Peter and John did in prison? They preached in the prisons. They sang in the prisons. Why? Because you're not going to shut me up. Man is not going to shut up the great God that lives on the inside of me. You can try to imprison me. You can try to intimidate me. But you're not going to hold back because I've got a message of hope, joy, and love. Amen. And God's grace and forgiveness. As you go on and study in that chapter, Acts, they healed a, a lame man. They begin to have signs, wonders, and miracles. See, when you encounter Jesus, miracles begin to follow you. You begin to have courageous faith. Who cares? I'm going to lay hands on you anyway, right? I'm going to get you filled with the Holy Spirit anyway. And so signs and wonders begin to follow them. And Annas, the great high priest, 
came and sought them down and said, by what power and in whose name have you done this miracle or this thing, he said. And Peter, the same man that was hiding, the same man that was in fear for his life of what the Jewish leaders thought if they were going to imprison them and they were afraid, that same man now had a change of heart. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 8, it says, then Peter... Filled with the Holy Spirit. See, when you are filled with God, you have a boldness that you don't care what anybody thinks about you. Rulers and elders of our people, he, he's coming back to them. It'd be like if the government official, the vice president, walked into our church and with all of his servicemen and says, who do you think you are preaching the gospel in this church? By whose power do you have signs and miracles in this church? That's the intimidation. But he wasn't going to be intimidated by the rulers this time. Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Are you really going to question that we're making the world better? That we're changing lives? That blinded eyes are open? Is the world going to get mad? I'll tell you who's going to get mad is religious leaders, religious people. That's who's going to try to shut down the church because the world is saying, open my eyes. I want to die every day. I want to take my life. I'm miserable. Even the wealthy, I have it all and I'm unhappy. Help me. But the religious people want to shut you up. But he said, do you want to know how he was healed? He's like, okay, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You want to confront me? In Jesus' name is how I do this. By the name of Jesus, that is the name above every name, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is the Lord of all. We serve a risen Savior. We serve the God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the great I am. What are we afraid of? It's like we're standing in front of Goliath and we're those Israelites that are terrified. We need some Davids to show up on the scene. We need some people who's been in prayer, who's been with God, who killed the lion, who killed the bear. I don't need a title. Don't give me anything fancy. I'm telling this Goliath to come down in Jesus' name intimidation, fear, bullying, all that. I'm not going to back down the name of Jesus. You want to talk about it? It's in the name of Jesus that I'm coming to you. And his name is more powerful than anything you can throw my way. Because the devil's been defeated. He has no power. He's a liar. He's the author of it. But my God that I serve, amen, It's my Jesus and the man whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, amen, How can we have this boldness in the kingdom? Because the tomb is empty and because Christ has risen from the dead and because he defeated death, hell, and the grave, amen? He's coming back. He's coming back on a white horse for all the world to see. And he's got King of Kings and Lord of Lords tattooed on his vestibule. He's not coming back as a weak, anemic priest. He's coming back as the king, amen? And we have that powerful voice because of the king. The man who was timid and hiding, Peter is now bold and courageous because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What do we learn from this example? We embrace this principle. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. See, I can speak boldly from this pulpit about what I believe deeply with so much passion, this crazy woman up here railing her arms. Why? Because I know my Jesus. 
I know his power. I know his word. There's nothing you can throw me away that would derail me from the power of God and his word. Nothing. The devil has tried since I came out the womb. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I'm an overcomer, amen, through Christ Jesus. But we speak boldly by what we believe deeply. And that consumed Peter. He couldn't stop talking about it. It was everything to him. It's like if you find a really good restaurant. You ever found a really good restaurant? And you can't wait to even get on social media and talk about it. Mark Zuckerberg planned it that way. It was a brilliant strategy for marketing because one person tells at least seven other people about their experience, and it's free marketing for the restaurant or whatever you're marketing online. Brilliant technique. Why? Because what people care about, they talk about. If it means that much to you. But where have we gone as the church? Where have we gone? If we're not speaking boldly, do we really believe deeply anymore? Or have we been lulled to sleep? Have we become apathetic in our walk with God? Have we become comfortable? Amen? He was passionate. Peter was passionate. He said, let me tell you about the powerful name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, He said this, there is a salvation in no one else. There is no other way to heaven except for Jesus Christ, the Son. And if you want to get to God, you got to go through the cross, amen? God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Members of the council were amazed. They were shocked. They were blown away when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They weren't afraid any longer, for they could see that what? They were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized as men who had been with Jesus. In that scripture, what did they recognize? They were amazed by their boldness. I'm going to ask you this question today. How many, how amazed are people by your boldness for Christ? How amazed? This is just a temperature factor. This is not condemnation. This is life-giving. The Bible says you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set us free. And we can't sweep the truth under the carpet, can we? My prayer is that we just unlock this. I know it's not going to change overnight, but we just want to unlock it until we break that religion off of us and we expose the glory of God in this world. Amen? But how amazed are the people for your boldness for Christ? Now, let's, let's quantify that. Let's look at that on a measurement of being unmoved to being amazed, right? Jesus was probably a 10, so we're probably not there, okay? And you're more than a 1. But look somewhere, somewhere in there and just personally gauge where is your boldness that people know your faith and your walk. Some of us may say, you know, 5, 6, 7, and that's awesome. I want to speak to that a little bit. If you feel like you're in that arena, let's just look at what that looks like. You probably, if you're in that category, are not at church alone today. You've brought someone with you. Or maybe you've had two or three people planted in the house of God because of your faith in Jesus Christ. may not be faith builders. It's not about building faith builders. It's about building the kingdom. So if they're in a church on the other side of town and planted, praise God. But is somebody sitting in a church being rooted and grounded like we talked about last week because of the fruit of our life, amen? Again, it's not condemnation, but I want to awaken this. You probably have invited people to church at some point during the week. 
Maybe at the gym where you're working out, God spoke to you. Maybe at the school, some of our school kids are sharing the love of Jesus. One of Samaya's little friends, he's a new boy at the school, and he was in class, and they said, what is your favorite numbers? They went through the whole class, what is your favorite numbers? This little boy in seventh grade said, which is a very hard age, seventh grade, the number three. And the teacher said, okay, now explain why you picked your numbers. And he said, because I believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Woo-hoo-hoo. Little boy's being trained right. Because I believe in the Father, Son. That's boldness. That is courage. And God says we're to have faith like a child. Amen. Who are we talking to? Maybe, maybe you've shared your faith throughout the week or Maybe at least we have a list of people that we're praying over every day to come to Jesus. Two or three people, you're calling them saved. You're calling addiction broken. You're calling them to humble themselves in the sight of God. That's a courageous faith. You're being a heart towards God and people. That's the courage God wants us to shift through, amen? When you're at that level, you're sharing your faith. You're praying for people, and it's where God wants to bring us, amen? God wants to bring us up, and if we're low on the list, we probably haven't brought anybody to the church. We probably haven't invited anybody into the kingdom of God. Probably not praying for the lost at all. Why? Because we've become in this society what I need, what I need, my goals, my goals. Let's introduce the lost into our goals. Lord, I want to win one person to Jesus this year. I want to be courage and pray for one person out on the highways and the byways this year. Let's add some goals that become other conscious. Amen. Some of you may be afraid to even share your faith at work, and people eat, don't even know that you're a Christian. I hope that's not the reality, but it is in some Christians' lives. We need people to know around us and let our light shine for Jesus. Amen? Um, I, um, I remember when I first got saved. You know when you first get saved, how excited you are for Jesus? Like, you're just so on fire. And I started working at this Toyota, Toyota dealership, and there was always all these men on the service floor selling cars, so I got asked out to lunch every day. I'm like, free lunch, cool. So I had free lunch every day that I worked there. But I'm going to tell you, when I went out with that guy, he had to pray over the food. He probably never did it a day in his life, but he prayed over that food. And that whole lunch, he heard about Jesus, 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 Jesus. And you know what? He didn't ask me out the next day, but the next next guy did. You're going to pray over that meal. Jesus, Jesus. He didn't. You think the reputation would have got out, but guess what? I must have shared Jesus with every worker there on the floor. Why? Because you're passionate. What you believe deeply, you will speak boldly. Amen. But then you can find yourself just showing up at the phone store and you're kind of aggravated. Your phone isn't working and they're taking, you know, but you got this unction like maybe I should invite him to church. You know, you maybe have this little thing, but you want to wrap it up and you just want to get home because we're busy. And we don't do it. Why? Because we've let apathy sweep into our life. Where's our passion again? Amen. Awaken us, God, on the inside of us. The Bible says we're called to be a light into the world. He said we're called to be salt and light. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's the word of God. Amen. So how do we grow in this boldness? Very quickly. Number one, we need to spend more time with Jesus. 
Spend more time. And even if it's just a five, 10 minutes that you're introducing in your goals to not be, uh, not be about yourself but others, get time in the Word of God. Find a reading app on the version. There's so many reading things that you can read. Talk to God in the morning. Spend 10 minutes talking and worshiping to, to God. Amen? Invite the Lord into your everyday life. Acts 14. 13 says this, they were amazed by the disciples' boldness, for they could see that they were ordinary men or unschooled men. That word unschooled means this in the Greek, idiots. What does that sound like in the English language? Idiots. Have you ever felt like an idiot trying to share the gospel? God has not called schooled men. He's called the idiots to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's not looking for you to be a Bible scholar and know the Greek and the Hebrew. Just share Jesus. Share his power. Share his anointing. Share his glory. I want to teach you this as I'm an idiot for Jesus. Ask me why. Amen? I want to make a difference in this world. God said they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized that they had been with Jesus. Amen. We have to be with Jesus. What happens when you spend time with the Lord in the morning? You get up. You sacrifice. You get up a little early. Take 10 minutes in scriptures. Take five minutes you know, writing in your journal. Take a few minutes talking to Jesus about how awesome he is. Lord, use me. Lord, let me be available to you, right? Worship him a little bit. Ten minutes is all it takes. And you go out for your day and you're like, Lord, show me somebody today. Show me one person. Show me one person I can pray for. I'll be bold and do it. Show me one person maybe I can give $20 to. Maybe they need groceries for their kids. I don't know, God. But show me someone that I can give love away today. And the Lord will put someone right into your path, and you're going to be obedient because you're saying, I'm denying myself, and I'm following Jesus. So Lord, I'll be I'm scared. I feel like hiding. But I'm going to be courageous, and I'm going to pray for someone today. And you're going to be obedient, and you're going to be like, oh, Jesus. You're going to be so on fire for God. And you know what's going to happen? You can't wait to get up the next morning, take 10 more minutes with Jesus. I'm going to take my time and my word. I'm going to get five more minutes talking to Jesus. I'm going to put on a worship song on my way to the job, and then I'm going to look again. And who's the next victim that I'm going to share for Jesus? Who's the next person that I'm going to discern the love of God? Who am I going to pray for? They may call me crazy, but I don't care. Why? Because I'm spending time with God. The reason why we've gotten lukewarm is because we're not spending time with the Father. We're letting the 24-7 steal us and swipe us away. And the church is going right down the tubes with it. We need to discipline ourselves and say, God, I'm going to get up early. I don't care how I feel. My flesh may be kicking and screaming, but I'm going to commit to time with the Father. Amen? Because I want to make a difference. But what happens when we skip it? When we skip our time, we're consumed with the things of the world. We're angry and we're frustrated. Women may dive into fashion to make themselves feel better. We may dive into social media to make ourselves look good to everybody else so they can't see how miserable I am. We become spiritually apathetic. We're worried about what people think. We become earthly-minded instead of kingdom-minded. My one switch is to spend time with God and renew my mind to Jesus Christ. Amen. If you want to grow in boldness, it's simple. Spend time with Jesus. He will light your fire. Come on, baby, light my fire. (laughs) 
I needed to be a singer. Can you imagine like I was an amazing singer and how I could just bust out right there? I think we'd have a revival moment. Y'all would lose it. <laughs> because I'm insecure and I don't know how to sing, I couldn't do it. Lord's like, simmer down, child, simmer down. <laughs> All right, number two, really quick. How do we get this boldness? Ask God to make me bold. Ask him. How many of us have ever just got up in the morning and said, God, make me bold for you? Make me bold for you. Make me strong in my faith. Give me boldness today. Listen, ask him and you shall receive. He will give you this boldness because he wants you to be bold. Even when Peter and John were still presenting the gospel, the religious leaders continued to threaten him. They still wanted to put them in jail. Imagine if your life and your family was threatened to go to jail for the gospel's sake. How many people around the world in other countries are having to hide their Christian faith and hide in tunnels and hide in cafes and, and hide their faith? They're not allowed to shout the gospel of Jesus boldly. And how would we respond when we pray, Lord, protect me, Lord, I'm hiding, or under that potential of threat where we rise up and be bold anyway? Will we be courageous anyway? And in Acts chapter 4, 29, this is how Peter responded. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats. I hear what they're saying to me, and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. They're not going to shut me up. They're not going to stop me. They're not going to intimidate me. I don't care if they talk about me to the whole family. I don't care if they do a Facebook post all about how awful I am. I don't care. Give me more boldness to proclaim the faith of the kingdom. Amen? God wants you to be bold. Remember this, when life is over, people are going to go somewhere. They're going to go somewhere forever. They'll either live in the presence of the glory of God in heaven or the horror of eternal damnation in hell. And hell is not a word you probably hear a lot in the kingdom, and it's uncomfortable. And I'm not one of those hell and damnation preachers, you know, Weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the worm never dies. Because if you scare people in the kingdom, they're not really saved. But we would do the word a disservice if we didn't adequately describe to you that hell is real. And it's a place, it's a place that is undescribable with our human words. We cannot imagine. People probably write books and all that. We don't know. I think God will never know if we're in Jesus. But the Bible talks about hell being excruciating anguish and horror and outer darkness, the eternal lake of fire, a place of torment, sorrow, everlasting destruction. It's a place that's real. And yet we as believers are so terrified of sharing this message, but yet when we do, we're pulling people out of the gates of hell If you're going to rescue a child that's running in front of a moving truck, you don't care what anybody thinks because you believe in what you're about to do in your mission. You will run an ugly run. You will scream as loud as you need to scream because you're saving the life of that child. We have got to see the world without Jesus is going to hell unless we introduce them to the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's our responsibility. And once you do it, it won't be as scary as you think that it is. But in the same respect, heaven is real. Heaven is a glorious place that's indescribable. 
You can read about it in the word of God. Heaven is where God's glory, his presence dwells, amen? Heaven is where God's people are dwelling right now. And Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, no ear is heard. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. We cannot understand what heaven is, but we know it's an eternal glory, amen? It's an eternal living in the presence of God where God wants us to go and our friends to go and our coworkers to go and this world to go. In Revelations 21, verses one through five, and my prayer is this, church, is that the Holy Spirit will deposit supernaturally in our hearts, a love for the lost. And it's not something we can manufacture. I can't just, I can preach this good message, but only the Holy Spirit can give you a hunger for the lost. And that's my prayer, that as we're in these services, that this deposit will go so deep, it'll be how you breathe. It'll be so natural for you. But John had a vision in Revelations 21, and it says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God is home now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And then one sitting on the throne, which we know as God said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. And to all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. This is what God has called the church to be. This is what God has called us to be, to declare the glory of heaven, amen? We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. The reason why we may be hiding behind these closed doors may be because what if I don't get it right? What if they tell me no? What if I look stupid? What if, what if, I'm afraid, what if, what if? But the more powerful question is this, what if you don't? What if you don't? What if who God has placed in your world because of your salvation doesn't find Jesus because you weren't courageous enough to share and be bold? Now will God send someone else along? Yes, in Jesus' name. But God has placed that fruit in your life, amen? God has called these people to your life. And God wants us to speak boldly about what we believe deeply. And how do we do that? More time with him and ask him for boldness. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet this morning. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you for this amazing church that, Lord, I just see you setting on fire with your presence. God, I thank you that you're awakening all of us, Lord God, to be more aware of the lost world around us, the broken around us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you stir us up, that you activate us, that you give us an awareness, Lord God. I ask, Lord, that this message would go so deep in their hearts it will spring forth life in Jesus' name.
Lord, don't let this be just another message where we get through and, oh, that was great, but we don't change. Holy Spirit, transform that word inside of us right now. Awaken this call. Awaken this purpose. We receive the clarion call of you, Holy Spirit, to be your hands, to be your feet, to be your mouthpiece. Give us ears to hear what your Holy Spirit has to say in this season. With all eyes closed this morning, I want to give every one of you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And maybe some of you have just been going to church religiously, but you haven't surrendered all. Now is the time to give it all to Jesus. Now is the time to make him that you can spend that eternity in heaven and be in the glory of God and rescued from the gates of hell, receiving the gift of salvation. Maybe there's just some of you who are being convicted right now of things. And that's good. Conviction is good because the Lord is troubling your heart. He wants you to surrender those things to him. Repent of it. Repent of your sin. Give it to Jesus today. And I'm going to ask all of us to say this prayer together. That's just the prayer of faith, reaching into your heart, coming into connection with what God is dealing with you. Just say this prayer together out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of all of my sin. I surrender all. I deny myself. I pick up my cross. And I'm going to follow you. Give me boldness. Give me courage. Release the anointing in my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Look at me this morning. There's something new that we're doing at Faith Builders, and I want to teach you how we're doing it. But if you said that prayer this morning, in the chair in front of you, there's a card. And I want you to look there, and it says, I choose card. And there's many of you that on Sundays you give your life to Jesus, but we have no contact with you. We want to show you the next steps in Jesus. It's not enough just to say a prayer. We want to teach you how to serve God, amen. We want to equip you to do what God's called you to do. So I want you to fill this out. I need my uh, couple to come forward. We have Bibles for you this morning. They're going to be available every service. Fill this card out. Take a few minutes when we dismiss. Bring it to our beautiful couple over here. You can receive a free Bible this morning, additional prayer if you would like. If you don't want to come this way, you can take this to guest services and receive a free Bible out there. But give us your card so that we can be praying over you, amen, so that we can love you and equip you to be who God's called you to be, amen? Amen. Give the Lord a great big praise this morning. He's doing something very special in his kingdom, amen? So special, and I'm just so glad we're a part of it. He's not left us out. So, Father God, we thank you for this special move of you. God, put a hedge of protection around all of us. Give us safety traveling, coming and going. Father God, and bring us together uh, safely as we worship you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen, amen. I love you all so much. Have a great night. Tonight, team night, Wednesday night, 7. Otherwise, we'll see you Sunday. God bless.